Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. (laughs) Because politics needed a (laughs) rebrand. Welcome back to Girl in the Gov, the podcast. Samantha is on her floor once again. How are we? How are we doing? Well, I may be high on paint because <laughs> they are redoing the apartment next to me. And it is, I'm getting the full chemical peel right to the nostril. <laughs> let me tell you. But it's weird. Okay, so. Just a little exfoliating. We all need, just, a, you know, weekly exfoliation. Look, it's, you know, trying to. To keep up with the, the new idea of a skincare routine, is there an internal sure. skincare routine? We're getting old. We gotta like keep the exfoliation going, keep the collagen boosted, and we're becoming old ladies. You know, gotta get yeah, those chemical I mean, peels. Old, 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 old. But I low key like kind of find the smell like really like weirdly comforting because uh, I always <laughs> grew up like we were always renovating houses. And so oh, that was okay. constantly. That's kind of, I have that too, because my, my family is kind of the same way. So like that, just that feeling of like a house project, work project. Yeah. Like I, I actually do feel you on that. It's so bizarre. Cause I feel like I have friends that are like, oh my God, I love the smell of like weirdly of gasoline. And I'm like, I like <laughs> turpentine, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I prefer turpentine. So <laughs> we, I'm dead. It shows I can't. But like honestly, at least whoever's moving into that apartment will get fresh paint and whatever. So if you know that is you, mazels. My apartment search has been horrendous and is only about to get worse. So Where are to, we? How's it going? Give us the updates. It is so ridiculously bad. Like I have gone through everything on Street Easy. I've expanded boroughs and like really everything. It's so insane. There's stuff that, I mean, everything's overpriced. I mean, it's New York. Everything's always been, but this is like particularly bad. Yeah. And everyone's fighting over everything. I was like turned away from even going to see a few just because they're like, we've had too much interest and sorry, we just know someone's going to already take it. Some of so I just look like, at it. I've seen just like some of the TikToks over the years of like, not the years, why am I acting like... <laughs> Not the Over years. the years. Over the years. No, just recently, somewhat recently, whatever. That, like, when people do, like, New York apartment hunt, people have made TikToks, and, like, there's lines, like, wrapping around the block to just go see it. And I cannot even imagine that. Like, I remember when I was just looking in San Francisco, like, if there was one person booked before me, I was like, oh, hell no. Like, <laughs> it's on. Like, I can't imagine the stress of like going to finally find an apartment that might be in your budget that you might actually like yeah. and then showing up and there's a hundred people also looking at it and wanting it. It's like, how in the world, how, how does it work? I just, I don't get it. I, you and me both. And I can say from the one that I went to look at yesterday, first of all, show up for the appointment. There's a line, there's a sea of people outside. We go inside the room is so small, I couldn't even fit a twin bed in it if I tried. That's so like bad. Beyond. I was like, this isn't an apartment. This is a closet. A genuine closet. So, although I will say, as opposed to my current apartment, it actually has a full fridge. So, oh, yeah, give and take. Give and take. But you were sleeping next to the fridge. So, there's, <laughs> there's also that. And then I tried to go to another one on Sunday. And literally the entire exterior door was plastered with asbestos warnings and that they were doing work <laughs> orders all over it. And first of all, just not a great sign in general, but from what I was also gathering from some of the postings, they weren't doing such a great job. So I was like, mm, 
good. Hard pass. Not even going to look That's this really thing. scary. Yeah. Um, and granted, a lot of the buildings are old. There's stuff going on, but that's that's going to be. Uh, I thought that's like no fully illegal, you? like having any type of asbestos. Like, I think it's illegal for you to do it now. I don't know. I think it. I'm shooting like, in the dark. I think. The oh, I think it's just you have to like to be, disclose it. Yeah, because I definitely signed something for this apartment that had something related to that, and also like lead paint. I yeah, lead paint. This is triggering me to my real estate classes I took for zero reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, good times. Good times. It's fine. It's fine. It's just a joy. But yeah, so anyways, if um, anyone wants to host me, because they're human, their favorite human, they just, you know, are like, hey, I have an extra apartment hanging around. Not sure what to do with it. Yeah, and they're like, hey, you know what? I've been looking to just give out my apartment for free, you know, just a little charity Mm -hmm. moment. Like, Sam is here, and she's ready, and she's waiting. So slide in at info at (laughs) girlonthegov.com. We can get the paperwork going. (laughs) Please and thanks. But wait, I also forgot to tell you. I came up with a new phrase. (gasps) Oh, God, what is it? Except for it was just. Well, I'll roll with the story and you tell me your thoughts. Okay. So naturally, let's just walk back in time to Saturday. And I was filling one of my friends in on this story. And what I said was, or what I meant to say was, yeah, he got like a foot in the door. And instead of saying a foot in the door, I said he had a shoe. In it. Wait, I can't even say it. Say it. He had a shoe in the... Shoe in the, in the horn. What? <laughs> How does your brain work? I don't get it. I don't know. I Yeah, so everyone make it trend. We're no longer saying they had a foot in the door. We're saying they had a shoe in the horn. I don't even know, like, where that derivative of the phrase could possibly come from. You and me both, because in what universe am I usually talking about horns? Like... We know I'm tone deaf. We know I, I can't play an instrument. That is that is a new level, Samantha. Yeah. But I have peaked. Yes, hundred percent. Fascinating. Well, on that note, shall we? A, we're gonna have to do housekeeping in a moment. But oh. also, I'm just like super excited for this episode and this interview because it's such an important topic, aka. The importance of state government and state reps and state elections and all of those things. So we're going to get into that in a moment, but let's talk housekeeping because there's a few things to talk about. One, we'll kick it off with talking about merch. Merch is on its way. We are launching new merch next Wednesday. So by the time next week's episode is out, it will be ready for you to go check out, for you to go purchase. So get excited. But I will also say we are still wrapping up designs and such. So if you do have any last minute requests of designs, things you want to see come back from the last merch launch, different clothing items you would like to see designs on, then you better slide into those DMs quick before it's all locked and loaded and ready for next Wednesday. So again, merch requests, let us know. Other housekeeping items are obviously our internship for the summer and the fall. You can go to girlonthegov.com slash careers to learn about the all the things. I love that like now Biggie's drinking and it's just like, I'm sorry, everyone. Okay, Biggie's just Doodle. hydrating, okay? He's got to stay hydrated. So we can do all the big pup things that are out there. Mm-hmm. It's just such a loud drinker. Honestly, so. kind of reminds me of myself because when I get dehydrated, I just start chugging. And then honestly, I don't think I'm even a loud drinker, but I think in the comfort of my own home, I'm definitely a splasher. Like if half the water ends up down my shirt, oh, I'm I don't always even getting care. water down my shirt. I genuinely don't know. That's why I always am like a straw connoisseur and then the audacity of restaurants to have martini glasses as things rude (laughs) 
yeah, wine glasses. Like, glasses I honestly not doable for me. They're so hard, and I also and I have shaky have hands, so I'm like this. Everything. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I'm admitting this on on the girl on the go platform, but on I national have as television a, on national television. <laughs> but I have definitely, as a result of my spillage issue, had beer with a straw. And I have oh no wow that. that is throw that in a tall boy yeah it's really that's it's kind of jail time honestly beer with a straw look it's, wow groundbreaking or see you in court not sure which one thank you for that tangent thank you for that information and that PSA it was much mm-hmm. needed I'm sure mm-hmm. by everyone listening and I guess we'll just go on on our way here with some more housekeeping items mm-hmm. I don't even know where I was at we were talking. All internship. The internship. All the things internship. If you um, are a college student and can get college credit for an internship and want to learn about the political space, about PR, about marketing, about social media, then check that out at girlinthegov.com slash careers. Also, while you're there on our website, check out our brand ambassador program and sign up. There are no requirements and just resume boosters, a community of amazing young ladies. And yeah, it's just, we love we, we love, love when we stand and, and we love our BAs. And we also really love our tennis club mm-hmm. called Break the Love is a really awesome startup that hosts different tennis clubs by theme. We have one that's for girl in the governors. So a little politics, a little tennis, see on the court kind of thing. We're working on some events at the moment. But in the meantime, join our club, sign up, get ready for notifications. And there's no on- requirements to sign up for that either. See, that's mm-hmm. that's and the type of reminder we needed. It honestly is helpful too if you guys don't even see yourself ever doing coming to a tennis match. I think if you sign up, like maybe it'll trigger something in you. That's what our, our goal is that like you'll sign up mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you'll come play tennis. But even if you like have no plans playing tennis, just sign up. Um, it helps us kind of like plan, help us like plan and figure out when these events would be, how we want to do them, and what people really want out of them. And Again, even if you're not a tennis player like myself, because I'm not, I don't know if that was confusing, but I'm not a tennis player. <laughs> However, if you want to be on there, then you'll get those that information when there are events, hopefully in your area. And Sam and I will be there and politics will be there as well. And so regardless of your tennis experience, we want y'all there. So go sign up. Yeah, yeah. And last thing is go get four bottles of wine for $29.95 with Wink. There is a link in our bio. They make 200 plus wines and they're delivered straight to your door with the cutest branding ever. And they have reds, they got whites, they got rosés, they got sparkling, they have all of the things and they're really, really, really good, really good, really good. And again, they're $29.95 for four bottles and that is such a deal. So I just go check it out. myself in the eye. Oh, that's just for doing great today. But <laughs> all of that is linked in this episode description. So go check everything out there. And I think it's about time to get into our episode. Do you want to introduce our guest? So anyways, let's get into it. Today we are talking with Melissa Walker, who is the head of Giving Circles at the States Project. As Maddie teased a little bit before, we are talking about the importance of state elections and, of course, participating in those, showing up Mm -hmm. to vote, why those elections are so important, and so much more. So without further ado, here's Melissa. Alrighty, well, let's get into it. You are the head of Giving Circles at the States Project, and we are dying to know, what is the States Project? What do you guys do? Is there a mission? Is there a goal? I want the whole nine yards. Got it. Okay. So our official mission is that the States Project works to build governing power for lawmakers committed to improving lives. But essentially what it means is we are working on building state legislative majorities. State legislatures are an area of government that often has been overlooked, but it's actually an incredibly powerful place. So we are focused there. That's awesome. And, you know, all eyes are on state candidates right now. Can you kind of give some background on why this is so important? I think that's always so slept on and probably, again, why you guys exist. But, like, can you can you shed light on that? Like, I we always are trying, but I'm like... You're the perfect person to really give us the 411. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will say I have only recently become that perfect person because (sighs) I 
my actual like whole career has been like I write young ad adult novels and middle grade novels and I really came from publishing and magazines and did not have a political background but in the fall of 2016 I suddenly felt like I should do something more and I actually ended up attending a publishing holiday party that December and hearing uh, then New York State Senator Daniel Squadron speak. And the things that he said that night really turned my focus and my attention to this level and kind of changed my life, not to be overdramatic, but I started to understand that everything that I was worried about and everything that I cared about was actually being decided in state capitals, not in Washington, D.C. Right. So everything from like healthcare to education funding to environmental policy to choice to civil rights, to the core of our democracy, voting rights, and of course, gerrymandering, the mm -hmm. drawing of the district lines that decide who goes to Congress. All of these things were being decided by state lawmakers. And I started to connect the dots on a bunch of things that I had never really understood. So I live in New York, but I grew up in North Carolina. And I started to understand that the bathroom bill, which passed in my home state and broke my heart, that was lawmakers in Raleigh who did that. Mm -hmm. And things like, you know, the stand your ground gun bill in in Florida, which let Trayvon Martin's murderer go free. That was Florida lawmakers who right. did that. And then it passed in 25 other states. Yeah. And then things like the Lansing, the Michigan, um, Flint, Michigan water crisis. That's a Lansing problem, not a Washington, D.C. problem. And all of those things happened under President Obama. Mm -hmm. So I started to understand that, like, these state capitals were very, very important power centers. And what happened there really mattered. And I hadn't been paying attention. I will admit that I went home from that initial holiday party and looked at my state senator and my state assembly person, and I had never heard of them. Mm. So I had no eyes on Albany. And I found out that most of my family and friends, we all think of ourselves as pretty well-informed people, but we didn't know who our state representatives were. Yeah. And I still talk to a lot of people who don't. So it's just an area that often gets ignored, so except by the on. radical right. So totally. slept yep. on. I don't even think it's like anyone's fault by any means. Like I like think about like when you're in school and like you're learning about government, like granted, look, my memory is not always the, you know, the best in terms of elementary school. It was a long time ago. Like I don't ever remember it being like, let's talk about like how our state, like I'm from New Jersey. There was never like a course where it was like, or, you know, a unit where we're talking about like how New Jersey politics work or how our own like local government. It was like, if anything, it's like, yeah, your town has a mayor and like the state has a governor. But like, I yeah. literally don't remember ever being like, there's a state legislature. Like yeah. what? And then it's, you make such a good point where it's like, that's where like so much of this policy is being made. And it's still kind of confusing and because people aren't paying attention. Like, therefore, there aren't the funds, which we'll talk about, too, yeah. like that are directing well, people to pay attention to it. Interesting. Like you, you kind of touched on this for a minute, how like, you know, bills too that are passed in the states how they they go to the rest of the country like the trends follow and i feel like in the past two years i've i've at least noticed that so much because of like mm -hmm. texas and florida and all the crazy shit they're passing and how it's like so many states are just following suit because they do it and like it really goes right under people's noses it's crazy that's exactly right. And, you know, we talk a lot about how states are really meant to be laboratories of democracy. Mm -hmm. They're meant to be marriage equality going from state to state to federal law or healthcare going from Hawaii to Massachusetts to becoming the ACA. And when there are majorities that are not focused on improving lives, they end up being laboratories for voter suppression bills and bans on abortion and bans on trans kids playing sports and all of those other things that we're seeing. And it does, it spreads from state to state. So that's also a reason to just care about what's happening in state legislatures that aren't your own. Mm -hmm. 100%. Totally. Because I feel like it is that like way of thinking. I mean, I guess it's with like any trend, right? It's like, well, they did it. So if they did it, it must be okay. Or they did it so we can get away with it too. Or it's just such an interesting way that like the states kind of play off each other, which I think would definitely be really interesting to like talk to a state senator or assembly person, seeing like if they, you know, sort of have an eye on the trends. But speaking of like people in those roles, speaking of states, what states are you guys eyeing right now? What's 2022, you know, looking like? Who's got your attention? Right. So right now we are actively working to shift power in Arizona, Michigan, 
Minnesota um, and Pennsylvania. And then we're working to defend governing power in Maine, where we have a, a majority that is focused on improving lives, but it's a vulnerable one. So we want to protect it. And then in Nebraska, we're working to defend a right wing supermajority. So there's a different play. But in each state that we're focused on, we're really focused on determining which states a power shift is possible and where we can be difference makers by getting involved. Yeah. Well, we want to move then into our I have a stupid question segment and talk about Nebraska for a second because they have a unique unicameral see i'm i'm the person on the show who can't pronounce anything so just just bear with me i (laughs) think i got it right right unicameral yeah you did it legislative body and it's the only one in the country so can you kind of explain what that even is what's a unicameral legislature yeah absolutely so i will say first when we look at states we look we do in what we call the 99 state chamber analysis because we're analyzing every state house and state senate in the country to figure out where the power shifts might happen and the reason i say 99 is because nebraska doesn't have a state house and a state senate they have a unicameral situation so their legislature is just one body and you know what's happening in nebraska is interesting because they have their one chamber and they have a 17 seat threshold. And with that threshold, we can block the worst policies of the current majority, which is a right wing majority. But if we lose a couple seats, they'll have a super majority, which will mean that they'll be able to do whatever they want. So that's why we're in Nebraska to work to hold that threshold. That is wild. I also am so mad at myself, side note, because this weekend I was out and this kid asked me, he was like, what's your favorite like political fun fact? And this has been in my pocket forever. And I totally forgot about it. <laughs> Nebraska being all like fun and funky here with like a totally different type of legislature. So anyways, if that random kid is out there listening, just know this is the fun fact I meant. Thank you. Thank you It's very such much. a good one. It's such a good one. Nebraska is unicameral. Totally. What a state. Well, <laughs> I say that I've never even been there. I hope to check it out at some point. So if anyone listening is like a Nebraska resident and, you know, has some racks, let us know. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, talking about majority situations and majority making candidates, what does that really mean? And like, how does that happen? Yeah, so great question. So the thing is that when we're talking about shifting power in states, we're really talking about taking a majority. So everyone gets really excited about individual candidates. And of course, we love them. Faces, stories, all those things totally. that people love to engage with. It's awesome. And if they are elected and they're not in the majority, they are really not able to run with their policy ideas. Yeah. So in order to get those folks propelled and able to do good things to improve lives, we have to take the majority. So we, when we do our state chamber analysis, we are looking for states where a power shift is possible. And we are analyzing district by district to figure out, are there districts that are flippable? So this gets at our commitment to making really data-driven decisions. So when we're analyzing the state chambers, we're drilling all the way down to that district level to see which districts can shift and which are so close that we need to be there to make that change. So when you take the majority, that's when policies change. And that's when people can start passing those bills and passing those laws that improve lives, not only in the state, but then also, as we talked about, become model policy for the rest of the country and perhaps even the federal level. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of majority, can you also explain what is a supermajority? Because that's also kind of at play here. Yes, absolutely. It's a word that gets thrown around. And then I think people are like, oh, I know what that means. Maybe I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so a supermajority is really when there's unchecked power for a majority party. And that takes different forms in different states. So in North Carolina, for example, in my home state, there, there, when there was a Republican supermajority, they had the ability to overturn the governor's veto. So there was a Democratic governor in North Carolina, Roy Cooper. And when the Republicans had a supermajority, they could overturn his veto, which is an incredibly powerful thing to use. And now we've broken that supermajority in North Carolina. It means that they can no longer do that. And so we're able to block some of the worst policy agendas of the majority there, which is really important. And as I mentioned, in Nebraska, avoiding that supermajority means also that we can block the worst policies that are coming out of that state. I think that's really interesting from like so many levels, but we always get a lot of people being like, my vote doesn't matter. It doesn't count. And 
I feel like we're always countering that in a lot of different ways down to on one of our recent episodes, we were talking with the executive director of brand new Congress and she was talking about a particular race in Florida that was literally one by five votes. But I think this in another way of trying to stop a supermajority is another way to make your vote count because even if you don't take back an entire, you know, legislature in a sense if you can at least block it from being a supermajority you can prevent things getting even more out of hand at least and a little bit does go a long way especially if we have things that are going up to the governor's office and then coming back down and getting rejected i think that's a, a really good motivation to get out and vote and pay attention to even if you're in a red state and you're like my one lone blue person here is gonna <laughs> Like, what difference are they going to make? And it's like, they actually could make a difference by preventing a supermajority. So mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting. Absolutely. It's a very consequential power shift. And I think it speaks to the idea that, you know, you're talking about, which is, yes, power shift in terms of taking the majority is, of course, the most exciting. You get to turn a state from red to blue. But in other ways, there are other really consequential power shifts to pay attention to as well. And moving kind of deeper into just the idea, this concept of like states, politics, and how it's really not paid attention to... It's slept on, like we said, but it's also like not funded the same way as maybe federal races and federal politics is looked at. So can you kind of explain why why that is? Why are federal races so much so more funded than states races? Yeah. So I think that that has really been true on one side. So <laughs> Democrats do have a tendency That's to so be distracted by the big yeah. shiny objects in Washington, D.C. The radical right has really been organizing at the state level for a very, very long time in a very robust way. You know, an example from 2020 is that, you know, when Maine Democratic candidate Sarah Gideon, who was running against Susan Collins, ended her 2020 unsuccessful U.S. Senate campaign, she had nearly $15 million left over in the bank. And, Damn. you know, that I'll take it. $10 million, so like just two thirds of her surplus would have fully funded our work to build governing majorities in 13 states. Mm, wow. So, you know, when we look at the imbalance of funding in these races, I think you can point to a lot of things, certainly the shiny object syndrome, certainly the national media always focusing on Washington, D.C. And also like that's when people give politically, I think, based on a lot of emotion and anger and fear and also inspiration. And what they see really are federal races and they right. see the media talking about federal seats. But it really is incredible the impact that folks can have at the state level. This is a sentence that I love to say. It is often cheaper to flip an entire state chamber than it is to win a single competitive congressional seat. And, you know, we need multiple seats because mm -hmm. these races are still local and they are just not as expensive at all. Yeah. They're smaller. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we focus there, our resources can really go very, very far. Totally. I mean, talk about getting more bang for your buck. We love a good deal. We love a bargain. We love a moment where we, you know, get 50% off by all means. So totally. like sign me up. But is there a difference when it comes to the actual races as to how the fundraise dollars are actually used, state versus federal? You know, why is it cheaper, should I say? Yeah, absolutely. So again, like these these state races are still local. You know, they're smaller. A full campaign might only have a campaign manager. So often when people picture a campaign, they're picturing like a full staff and all these people working and like the fundraising chair and the field director and all these things. And these races really, you know, they might have a campaign manager and maybe a field director and someone coordinating volunteers, but they're in their they're in their local district. Yeah. And a U.S. Senate seat, it all comes down to television because mm -hmm. nothing else can really reach all the voters that they need to reach. But in state legislatures, it's actually possible for a candidate to knock on nearly every door in their district themselves yeah. because these are small local districts. And that's what you need to do to get your, your name out in these kinds of races. And it's a non-scalable tactic that can really move the needle. And it doesn't require huge budgets for all these other things. So it gives me a lot of hope to be working at this level because number one, I understand what me and my friends and family can do when we put together resources and focus on these targeted districts. But also I think it gives folks an idea that like they can have a real impact. I think sometimes these federal races feel so untouchable yeah. to people. And totally. this is a way to kind of get back to basics and like a candidate door knocking and needing the resources to have a little office and a campaign manager and a setup to run something that has a shot at winning. Yeah. 
And like you mentioned, like the GOP has really put investment into these state races and into state government and politics. Like, can you explain kind of, again, why, but also like, how has this investment really paid off for the GOP? Yeah, absolutely. So it's honestly, it's been decades of organizing. And from 2010 to 2016, we lost nearly a thousand state legislative seats. And that is really, we were staring at the White House and feeling good about the direction our country was going in and just took our eye off the ball in a lot of ways. And I think that part of that is that there's a return on investment, honestly, for the radical right to invest in state legislatures and do things like deregulate, Mm -hmm. you know, in states. When we lost all those seats from 2010 to 2016 in states where Republicans took majorities in state houses and state senates, they made people's lives bad. They put in right-to-work laws, they defunded education, they gutted environmental policy. And of course, when people's lives got bad, they didn't say like, oh, that must be my state senator. Because again, no one really knows who their state senator is or maybe that they even have one. And so they blamed what they could see. They blamed Washington, D.C. and what was focused on in the national media. And like, little did we know the roots of Trumpism were actually being seated in these state legislatures. And it really is again, a return on investment for corporations, for the radical right to do things like deregulate and privatize things in these states. And it's just been an agenda for a very long time. And they've been building power at this foundational level, bottom up instead of top down. And I think that's how we have to focus. Right. Totally. And we're seeing it now too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's super smart, to be honest. Like I hate it, but it's smart. AKA that's why we got to use it. Yeah. But I think, you know, to to your point, we're seeing some of the results of this at the federal level. So I'm curious your thoughts on that, that sort of escalation of something happening at the state and then it impacting federal. What does that look like right now? Absolutely. So I always say to people, you know, if you care about Congress, you should care about state legislatures because state legislatures draw the district lines that literally decide who is elected to Congress. And if you care about the presidency, you should care about state legislatures because state legislatures decide who can vote and when and how and purging of the roles in their states. So are they putting in voter suppression bills or are they expanding the vote? As in the case of Virginia, which when a new majority was elected in 2019, they passed their own Voting Rights Act. So they didn't even wait for the federal bill to come through, which it still hasn't, but they actually passed their own and and made election day a holiday. I mean, can you imagine if election day were a holiday everywhere? It changes who can vote and when and how and how many people vote. So this has impacts that go well, well beyond local issues. And the other thing that I often say to people is, if you care about the Supreme Court, you should care about state legislatures because the Supreme Court doesn't write laws. They rule on laws Mm -hmm. that are coming out of state legislatures. So when we look at something like Roe, which we really think very well may fall this spring Mm -hmm. because of a Mississippi law, we have to understand that state legislatures are deciding whether women have a right to choose. And they've been deciding it for a very long time, to be clear. Like there are many states that have one clinic left because they're operating within a hair's breadth of federal law. Mm -hmm. And when you have state legislative majorities that are implementing federal law, we see that they'll implement it however they'd like. The Affordable Care Act is one good example of that. So it's federal law, right? The Affordable Care Act. But there are still 12 states that haven't expanded Medicaid. And that's because they have right-wing majorities that don't want to do it. And so we have to think about the implementation of federal law as well. And it makes me think a lot about how I'm not going to feel really secure until every state has its own Voting Rights Act. And every state has established the right to choose. And every state in the state capital has established like the basic protections that we think of as foundational for our democracy. So it's really a state by state, bottom up lens once again. And why- This just reminded yeah. me, oh, sorry. There you go. This just reminded me of, not to make this a Nebraska dedicated podcast, but- Let's do it. Rep Ben Sass from Nebraska is been, he has this whole idea of like that state legislatures should be the ones selecting their senators to go to Washington. Like those, that's how it should be done. And it's like that type of change, a terrifying of freaking thank you. But in addition to that, then, you know, if you have like these super majorities that are absolutely not representative of their constituents and whatnot, and no one even knows who they are and they're selecting their national reps too. I mean, 
it just becomes an even larger issue. So anyways, just food for thought. Ben Sass just throwing himself out there, a little Nebraska moment. (laughs) No, and you know, even scarier than that, I would say, is the idea that really is being worked on by the radical right that state legislatures can decide the slates of electors that can determine the president and they can ignore the will of the popular vote in their state, right? There's something called the independent legislature doctrine and there's an interpretation of it that gives all the power to state legislative majorities to decide who gets the electoral college votes from their state. And we've already seen Trump beginning to endorse state legislative candidates in Arizona and Michigan and Pennsylvania. And what we're watching there is an attempt to make sure that they have majorities in those states to set up 2024 for a steal. And that is honestly terrifying. And the Supreme Court has indicated that they would uphold such a thing. Literally terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. So terrifying. And where are the Democrats? Like, why why are Democrats and why haven't they been deeming the states as important as the GOP has? Like, I know. Like, I have to know. Right. I know. I mean, I will say, like, state ledge is definitely in the news a little more right now. Mm, And we're talking about it right now. Right. Which is like an amazing thing (laughs) to be able to do. And so I do think that people are sort of starting to wake up and pay attention. So I I think that happens. But again, like Democrats tend to prioritize the top of the ticket, whereas right wing has really figured out that investing in this foundational races is the key to building power. I will say, though, that like the hopeful thing about this and every time we talk about this, I try to put this in because you can really want to just lie down and put a blanket over your head when you read some of these death of democracy articles. And I'm glad they're being written because I truly do believe that those are the stakes and we are on the brink of this. So I think people should know. But they also those articles never really light a path to action. But the path to action is flipping state chambers. And when you look at that path to action, you start to understand, okay, cool. So in Arizona, it's one state house seat and one state Senate seat to stop the radical right wing's unchecked power there and two seats in each chamber to flip power entirely. And in Michigan, those numbers are three to tie and four to flip in each chamber. And so you start to see, oh, there are these paths. They're through winning state legislative seats, which again, are these local races that take a fraction of the resources of federal races. And when we shift them, we stop this from happening Mm -hmm. state by state by state. So there really is something hopeful there if people can see that lit path to action. Totally. Totally. And you mentioned the concept of taking action, actually sort of making something happen. What is the state's project doing right now to make some of this change possible? Yeah, so we are on the ground in our six target states. And again, we've done that district assessment to figure out which are the races that we need to be involved in to help shift power in the capital. And 2022 is is gonna be a rough year. There are headwinds for sure. You know, historically, as you all know, this would be a year when maybe Democrats didn't win as much. But at the same time, it is exciting to work in state ledge because again, these non-scalable tactics, when we have a candidate who will knock on every door, mm-hmm. when we do these small things to move small amounts of votes, we really do see a path to change. So, so we are in those states working with the state caucuses, which is the entity in each state that's exclusively focused on state legislatures. And we are raising the electoral dollars through our Giving Circles program. So that's what I work on. And I have my own Giving Circle with my friends and family. And that is about people coming together, learning about state legislatures, which is something that I've done over the past few years, and starting to understand how when we come together and we raise $1,000, $10,000, some of our Giving Circles are raising more than that, $100,000, like we can actually become the most powerful force to make change in a state legislative um, body. Mm-hmm. And that feels really exciting. It yeah. feels like a very tangible impact. So we have this community of over 100 giving circles working for 2022. And when folks join it, they're able to choose the target state that they'd like to impact. And then they start to learn about what's going on in state legislatures, what's going on in this target state, which races are we targeting and how are we supporting them? And I think part of the goal with that program is to help people have a transparent political giving experience Mm -hmm. because that's kind of hard to come by. And I think, you know, when I look back at my Act Blue page, I see like random here, there, everywhere. Like, oh, I felt something. Someone's commercial made me cry. And that, (laughs) of course, you know, it happens and you give a little and it's and it's and it gives you that hit of adrenaline and like I'm doing something. But 
to me, I never really added it all up and thought about whether I was having a strategic impact somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so doing a giving circle helps me watch. Okay, cool. I'm putting resources here. My friends are putting stuff in. We're doing this together. We're getting to this impactful total. The States Project is then telling us like how it's being spent in the state and what we're working on. We're going to events where we get to see the state legislative candidates and learn about them and what their policy priorities are. Now we've got results and an impact report at the end of the year. And to me, that has felt like one of the most consequential things about this was to have that transparent experience, to understand what was happening dollar by dollar, and to start to see the shift. So I know I'm talking a lot, but I do want to say that we did have one great example of this is that we had two giving circles who worked with us on Maine in 2018 to try to flip the Maine State Senate. And they organized in Brooklyn and Manhattan, actually. And they, you know, they raised an impactful amount of money and became the second largest donors in Maine to in the effort to flip the state Senate with one hundred seventy five thousand dollars that they organized together. And it happened that that chamber flipped. And then we watched as Maine raised teacher pay, expanded access to abortion, passed automatic voter registration and passed environmental policies that helped the whole state. And it was like they felt so connected to those policy outcomes. It was really exciting to see. So it's a kind of a full circle experience when you can watch that happen with your political donations. I love that. That's amazing. And, you know, for our listeners too, who want to get involved, either be it with you guys and what you guys are doing in your initiatives or just like any tips for like paying more attention to your state races and to your state reps, like, can you recommend some options for people who are like, oh, wow, okay, like this is where I can have some impact. Yeah, absolutely. So number one, like I encourage folks, and I think even after listening to our conversation today, Mm -hmm. people will start to look at the news a little differently. You know, I definitely have experienced the fact that like when Texas passed their um, abortion ban, a lot of my friends were like, oh, that Ted Cruz. And I was like, ah, it doesn't have anything to do with Ted Cruz. Like it's these lawmakers in Austin. Right. And I think like slowly but surely people are starting to realize who are the people in these power centers and and how are they doing this and what, what should I really have eyes on? So I think even just looking at the news and starting to understand that like when you hear that a state did something, Texas did this, Mississippi did this, Virginia did this, those that is very often not a U.S. senator, not a congressperson. I but just actually love to blame Ted Cruz for everything, though. <laughs> you know, Fast. Yeah. but honestly, Fast. Greg Abbott is now like the scapegoat. And like that is actually a good one. So you're like, there you go. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So, yeah. So I think looking at the news and really like taking a look and being like, is that the legislature? Mm-hmm. Oh, it yeah. is. Is a really great step to awareness. And then also, I would say like talk, no, number one, like making sure you know who your own state representatives are. And I don't assume anything, but I didn't know until that fall of 2016 wake up moment. And, and also talking to your friends and families and saying like, do you know who your state reps are? Because mm-hmm. often people don't. And really having eyes on them is a great thing because the truth is like, you can call them and email them and usually meet with them in person whenever you want because like they don't get a lot of play yeah, from totally. their constituents and not nearly as much attention. I mean, everyone's always like resist botting their st- senators and their congresspeople, but like your local reps have so much to do with the laws that affect your daily lives. Yeah. And so like they are great people to reach out to and engage with and even advocate for policies that you're really interested in. You know, they're right there. They're usually, they have an office on Main Street. They're not in Washington, D.C. They're yeah. in your area. And like so. to this point too, just like state politics and everything too, we had an episode with our friend Eric who works at a PAC on, or started a PAC in California and he works on state races here. And it's like so funny to look at California too. And there's are also so many state reps who literally don't do anything and like pose there as if they're like a democrat or a progressive and like actually don't even show up to vote because nobody's paying attention to their track record nobody's paying attention to what they're doing and then when it comes to vote they like see this democrat on the ticket and they're like okay sure here you go you know so it's just so important to pay attention to these races and and you know who your state reps are so definitely go check those out is there like a like what's your favorite like resource to go see who your reps are and what they're doing so there is a site called open states i think let me just check i think it's openstates.org yes openstates.org is a great place to look up who your legislators are you can also search and track legislation there and it's actually kind of hard information to find to be honest to find who your state reps are it's it's so 
and they think it's because like there's so many districts and it's not there just aren't as many search engines that are going to do it so open states is like a great place to go to look that up Mm -hmm. amazing well that's epic i also the like do you know who your state's reps are reminds me of like do you know where your kids are like it's 10 p.m or like whatever that thing is totally Classic democracy is in danger do you know who your state reps are mm-hmm. yeah i love it i love that I'm throwing gonna, it on a shirt i was just gonna ASAP. say it's gonna be new merch for us for sure there we go <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for chatting with us and giving us the 411 on all things the state's projects before we go we do want to make sure that we hand you the mic to be able to plug everywhere that people can find you guys, you know, social media, website, everything. Give us the four on one. Absolutely. So we are at statesproject.org. And if you go to statesproject.org slash action, you can sign up to learn more about our work and find out how to plug in. I will say that all of our Giving Circle leaders who join often go through trainings in organizing, fundraising, and storytelling, which are the core key skills of this work. And when you do those trainings, you kind of walk through the world with more power and know how to bring attention and resources to something that you care about feels like a great thing. It is the most impactful thing I've ever done and the most empowered I've ever felt to be able to plug into the political situation. And now is a moment when I think so many people are looking for ways to have tangible impact. Mm So really excited to have folks um, join us there. So you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at States Project US. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was awesome and so important for this year and everything. So everyone, go learn about your state reps immediately. And thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Are you an undergrad wondering what your next step in life is going to be? Whether it's becoming a politician, mayor, or a lawyer, you know, law school is a very common path for all of those things. So come on over to Ladies Who Law School podcast to learn the ins and outs of law school and demystify the entire process. Undergrads, you know, this is the great opportunity to learn a little bit more about law school with us, the LSAT, how to get into law school, and the decisions and processes that you have to think about as you get ready to join and start your law journey. You can find us on Apple and Spotify and anywhere else you listen. Top stories of the week. We're back just, you know, being the world-renowned news organization that we are let's kick it off wait or as we got this review today (laughs) today Um, today we need to do like a segment where we read our (laughs) shitty reviews let's hear it one star titled (laughs) oh yeah i'm scared i haven't seen it (laughs) just two liberal girls following the media narrative (laughs) wait i just I don't know, like, if this is really toxic of me or oh, maybe God. I need to unpack this with a therapist. But, like, mm-hmm. why do I'm I love gonna say why do I love trolls? Like, they just make me feel like I am the biggest star in the whole world. And last week, was it last week? I got memed. And, <laughs> you guys, I can't even tell you, like, I texted it to my family and my mom was like, are you okay? Like, I'm like, no, like you understand, like this is the best moment of my career. Like I feel like I've made it and this is a pivotal moment in my life, in my career. And I'll like never, ever forget this feeling. And I feel honestly similar when we get bad reviews. There's just something about it. Like, is that toxic? Huh? You know, jury is out on that one. Mm -hmm. I would say, I don't want to label it toxic because I know what you're saying. Like granted, We know I've got, like, anxiety out the wazoo, so negative shit throws me out the window and through (laughs) 10 miles of, like, convoluted bullshit. But, (laughs) although I did laugh at the meaning. I really did. That was actually hilarious. But I, I, like, I know what you mean where it's, like, if someone's gonna bother to throw hate, shade, etc. on it, it means you're doing something valuable enough or making enough noise that yeah it's worth a reaction so i know what you mean and i don't know if toxic's the right way to put it but like yeah definitely unpack that with a therapist definitely yeah there's a word for this and i don't know what it is but yeah i'm sure that's there's something out there that can explain the way i feel but like i i absolutely love it i eat it up preferably not me thanks Yeah, if you want to hate anyone on the show, like, hate me because Sam gets anxiety and I just get fucking 
I get her ego is through the roof. My ego turns the fuck up. So that's not on that. Um, Also, never forget our other review that had me on the floor was like, they say like too much. I'm like, whose dad? Whose dad sent this review? It might have been my dad. It might have been my dad. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, that is like a regular review I get from my parents, my aunts, my uncles. They're like, it's just like funny how you guys like talk. And I'm like, that's the point. We're not CNN people. Come on. Exactly. That's why people love us. Hopefully you guys People can us. actually understand. And then it was really funny after that particular review, the like review, whatever the episode that was after it, he did just like an immaculate job of amazingly for us not saying like at all. And I have never, I was like, okay, all right. Well, yeah. Off with your I think it depends self. on the guest too. Like, totally like, depends. Some yeah. guests we like have to really button ourselves up and like that's cool or whatever. And some guests, like, we just shoot the shit with and have such good chemistry with. And it's like, and it's like, and it's like, and it's like. And it's like, and it's like. And the more, and I think the more relatable the person is in Mm. our conversation, the more analogies we're making. And therefore. And the more just naturally we speak. Totally. But anyways, that tangent aside. Yeah, wow. That was entertaining for people. (laughs) But let's get into these top stories. And like I said, um, world-renowned news organization. Here we are. Let's go. First story is three GOP states sue over end of Title 42. Does that rhyme? Yes. Three states on Monday sued the Biden administration over its plans to rescind Title 42, a Trump-era order that allows the U.S. to rapidly expel migrants who have crossed the border to seek asylum. So Missouri, Arizona, and Louisiana filed suit after the Biden administration on Friday announced it would lift the order on May 23rd. And so the suit seeks to block the lifting of Title 42 by arguing the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, which issued the order and violated the Administrative Procedures Act by failing to allow for a comment period on its revocation. If you want kind of a dive into like this Title 42 and what happened here, we actually have an episode with Layla. We can maybe link it in the episode description if you guys want to go back and listen to kind of get a better understanding of what Title 42 did, what Trump did here, and what it all means and all the things. So that's our episode with Layla, who's also amazing and it's an amazing episode. So go listen. Um, Not to deviate here, but I think I unlinked or like found a new spot that I need Botox. This line on my face. Unlinked. This is so weird. Do you mean unlocked? Yes. yes. <laughs> it just, I can't. Well, back to this. The Biden administration said it plans to use numerous other avenues to swiftly remove those who cross the border, including another Trump era policy known as Remain in Mexico. A creative name, which the White House has been forced to resume under court order. According to good old Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. And he said, okay, once the Title say? 42 order <laughs> is no longer in place, DHS will process individuals and counter it at the border. Burder- <laughs> we need <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. Uh, luckily, we do now know a minister that can help us with that. <laughs> True. Coming soon. Coming we have an episode soon. coming soon. We do. With an ordained minister. This is not a joke. This, this is, is not real. a joke. And she's actually, she's so freaking awesome. And, and she's so iconic. She's yeah. iconic. It's more just funny because I'm Jewish, but. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Everyone will love her. How could you not? You, you'd you have to fight me. Okay. Anyways, the border pursuant to Title VIII, which is the standard procedure we use to place individuals in removal proceedings. Nonetheless, we know that smugglers will spread misinformation to take advantage of vulnerable migrants. Let me be clear. Those unable to establish a legal basis to remain in the United States will be removed. So, so, so I, Title 42 was basically put in place during COVID to prevent, you know, immigration because everyone was on lockdown and we didn't want more spread. However, it was kind of kept in place too long and there was all these issues. And that's why you need to go listen to the episode with Layla because she explains all of it so perfectly. And but, to that point, yeah. she explains also clarity or provides clarity on what he's saying of like legal basis because mm-hmm. that makes it sound like there's little room for legal basis to remain yeah. in the u.s and that is like not the case so anyways go listen go listen yeah, go listen because this is like a very pertinent update to 
what that whole episode was about. So we will see what happens here, but that's that story. Samantha, kick us off with this next story. Zelensky at the UN accuses Russian military of war crimes. So Ukrainian President Zelensky accused Russian troops of gruesome atrocities in Ukraine and told the UN Security Council on Tuesday that those responsible should immediately be brought up on war crime charges one of a tribunal like the one set up at Nuremberg after World War II. Trigger warning for this next part. Zelensky appearing via video from Ukraine told council members that civilians had been shot in the back of the head after being tortured, blown up with grenades in their apartments, and crushed to death by tanks while in cars. They cut off limbs, cut their throats. Women were raped and killed in front of their children. Their tongues were pulled out only because their aggressor did not hear what they wanted to hear from them. He said, recounting what he described as the worst atrocity since World War II. Likening the troops' actions to those of the Islamic State, Zelensky said the Russian military and those who gave them orders must be brought to justice immediately for war crimes in Ukraine. That 20th- is... Yeah. Horrific. Ooh, that's, like, really gruesome and terrible, and just hearing it spelled out that way is... I have no words. I have no words. No words. And the imagery that I've seen is... Me too. Just got wrenching. Got wrenching. I know. I recently looked at this like Instagram post and you know, they're like all like you have to click into it. It says like graphic, whatever. Oh my God. And it's so, so terrible. It's heart wrenching. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before we like hopped on and whatnot, but I just, it's just so wild that we're still like 2022 and we're still all as a humanity or whatever you want to call it killing each other killing each other like yeah it's just so barbaric and it's just yeah there's just no place for this shit in any country ever capacity at any time in the world but like especially now like it's just no i i can't but and one quick note on like the fact on his commentary or ask about like uh, a trial and whatnot it and this also is something we were kind of chatting on earlier is the fact that we have rules for war and i just think that's just so freaking insane like you wear uniform and therefore like you can be killed you don't wear this or you're not here you are subject to these rules i mean the whole thing just is beyond me to be like oh we can organize we can organize death what mm-hmm. gross i know it's yeah But so the 27 nation EU has been a steadfast backer of Ukraine since the Russian invasion began on February 24th and has already pushed through four rounds of sanctions, but Ukrainian officials have begged for more. And so just hours before the latest proposal was announced, Ukraine's foreign minister said that to prevent this happening or to continue to happen, the West must impose the mother of all sanctions on Russian oil and gas. So Western weapons have enabled Ukraine to mount a stiffer than expected resistance to Russia's overwhelming firepower. So that resistance stopped Russian forces from overrunning the capital and other cities, and many troops have now withdrawn from areas around Kyiv. And Western and Ukrainian officials say Russia is merely regrouping for another offensive. What I think is an interesting episode, which I will link as well, is a daily episode on what happened in Chechnya. And there were essentially situations that happen like this where troops, Russian troops pulled back. There were opportunities in which the Chechnyans were able to take back areas and then that unraveled further down the line for an array of reasons. So without me trying to literally butcher the explanation of that, I will just link the episode. Yeah. And you should all go listen because we stand Michael the is just such sweet Michael. Jam, such oh, a sweet jam. Michael. Okay, well, next next story. Murkowski and Romney back Jackson, all but assure confirmation. <laughs> Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski and Mitt Romney say they will vote to confirm Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson's historic elevation to the Supreme Court, giving President Joe Biden's nominee a burst of bipartisan support and all but assuring she'll become the first black female justice. Do we ring the bipartisan bell? So the senators from Alaska and Utah announced their decisions Monday night ahead of a procedural vote to advance the nomination as 
And as Democrats pressed to confirm Jackson by the end of the week, GOP Senator Susan Collins of Maine announced last week that she would back Jackson, noting her stellar qualifications as a federal judge, public defender, and member of the U.S. Sentencing Commission. All three Republicans said they did not expect to agree with all of Jackson's decisions, but they found her extremely well qualified. Romney said Jackson more than meets the standard excellence and integrity. Murkowski said she will bring the Supreme Court a range of experience from the courtroom that few can match given her background in litigation. The Judiciary Committee's top Republican, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, said he opposed Jackson's nomination because she and I have fundamental different views on the role of judges and the role that they should play in our system of government. I'm not going to rant. I'm not going to rant. I'm not going to rant. Okay. The committee hasn't... The committee hasn't deadlocked since 1991 when Biden was chairman, a motion to send the nomination of current Justice Clarence Thomas, which I recently saw online, Justice Clarence Coo Thomas, and I stand with that, to the floor with a favorable recommendation failed on a 7-7 vote. The committee then voted to send the nomination to the floor without a recommendation, meaning it could still be brought up for a vote. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, McConnell of Kentucky, coming in hot, set the (laughs) set the tone for most of his party last week when he said he cannot and will not support Jackson, citing GOP concerns raised in hearings about her sentencing record and her backing from liberal advocacy groups. Republicans on the judiciary panel continue their push Monday to paint Jackson as soft on crime, defending their repeated questions about her sentencing on sex crimes. I just, like, can't, especially mm-hmm. this Mitch McConnell comment, like... Her backing, her sentencing record, her backing from liberal advocacy groups where it's like he's maybe concerned about her political ideals or whatever, whereas he just approved two openly very conservative with their certain conservative things that they've done in their careers, yet he approved both of those. Just like the hypocrisy, I cannot with Mitch McConnell. I can't. And I think to give my boy Romney a compliment... But also, you know, classic, classic. What I liked about what all three of the Republicans that are voting to confirm her said is that they didn't expect to agree with all of Jackson's decisions, but Mm -hmm. found her really well qualified. And I think that's what, regardless, whether this were a conservative judge or, you know, conservative Mm -hmm. pick or not, like, I think that perspective is really important. If someone is really well qualified, they're really well qualified. That's not, that shouldn't be, that part should not be politicized. And I do think that no matter where you stand on the spectrum, you are not going to agree with every decision every judge makes if you are a critical thinker. There's going Mm -hmm. to be things that liberal judges or more traditionally liberal judges rule on and I don't agree. And same on the conservative side. And I think to look at a judge and a piece of the judicial system, specifically the Supreme Court, and go, oh, like... I, you know, have to agree with every single case that they're going to rule on just doesn't make a lot of sense given the nuance and the shifting way in which we live our lives in the 21st century. Classic Mitch McConnell being a cock block, being a hypocrite, and we don't stand. But nonetheless, the takeaway that is exciting is that this is looking like a W and we are going to get our very first black woman Supreme Court judge, and it's really fucking exciting, and it's, she yeah. deserves it and more. So she's epic. She's epic. I like. Okay, I had this thought of maybe like a week or two ago. Like sometimes we've been asked, "Oh, like did you ever have like a role model growing up in politics?" That sort of question, and I don't think mm-hmm. I necessarily ever did. But when I was watching these confirmation hearings and watching her in action, I was like is it too late in life for me to have a role model? Because I think no, I just picked inspiring. one up. inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Every, sure. Everything she and said. And the way she handled just, herself oh amongst the Ted Cruz's of the world is so beyond me. She just is so poised and, like, just incredible. I I stand to, to my grave. Like, I can't. Same. Obsessed. Also, I love that... We have RBG and now we have KBJ and I'm just like, I'm just loving the branding of that. But Leave it to us to think about the branding. Of course. But those are our top stories. Oh, sorry. No, we have one more because one just came in as we were chatting. Let's talk about it. Okay. Well, 
by an administration to extend student loan repayment pause until the end of August. The details the Biden administration is planning to extend a pause on federal student loan repayments through August 31st. We will see what happens because this is literally a breaking story and it's saying via, you know, CNN that this is via an administration official familiar with the matter, which means that it leaked and they'll have a press release later. But regardless of that, we'll probably have a full, fuller update, fuller picture on that next week. But exciting, although uh, still, I think we should be at canceling student debt, not to throw my opinion in here. As a yeah, liberal girl, as our review said, so this is huge. And even like, regardless, like this extension absolutely needed to happen. And I think this we t- we talk about this with like your just apartment search and how like landlords are all of a sudden like skyrocketing rents again, and, like thinking that the pandemic's like over. But it's like people are still struggling so much financially do the pandemic or do to, you know, just the state of the world. And regardless of your opinions on student debt relief, like this is absolutely necessary for people right now. Like they, this is going to be such a huge relief, like just this extension alone for so many people. So huge moment. Those are our top stories. One breaking. We love to see it. But before we go, just reminders on housekeeping. Um, Merch is coming out next Wednesday, so if you have any last-minute requests, make sure you DM us or email us at info at sign, or sign up for our Brain Ambassador program, absolutely. Zero requirements, resume boosters, networking opportunities, community, all the things. You can go to girlonthegup.com and read all about that and sign up. You can look at our internship, which is social media marketing, PR, and political research internship. If you're a college student and can get college credit for an internship, then go to girlonthegup.com slash careers and read about it email us if you want to apply and what's next break the love sign up for break the love again even if you don't plan to play tennis or whatever go sign up and it'll help us kind of like make our next steps as to when the next event is going to be yeah because we want us to be in areas where you guys are yeah and what mammy means by that like you don't have to be an expert you could be like i just want to you know try it out yeah, and it's just like Whatever. you'll be in like our system if you sign up and you'll be notified if there is an event and maybe there's going to be one near you and maybe you'll be like, you know what, I am free that day. I do want to meet Maddie and Sam and I do want to keep, you know, having these political conversations in my life. So I want to go. So if you want to just like hear about these events, just signing up, that's all it will do for you is that you will be updated if, if and when we get an event going. So again, no pressure, just go put your name in there. And... Go get your wines. Four bottles for $29.95. It's a deal, and you guys will be missing out if you don't. And obviously, you have to be 21 plus, so don't forget about that. But that is it for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will be releasing merch next week and talking to you all next Wednesday. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.